This is Hans Hansen, MD, and I'm uh, the host of this podcast. This series is Pain, Addiction, and Depression. I'm outside in a beautiful springtime. Uh, new beginnings, that's what spring's all about. And we're in this uh, Pain, Addiction, Depression series that I think is really useful. I, I know I got into the weeds on the uh, science of things and all, but... You know, I hope to bring value to not only healthcare providers, but also to those that are suffering from pain, addiction, or depression. Because the pain, addiction, and depression mechanisms are virtually the same thing in the neurobiology centers of the brain, primitive part of the brain right behind the ear. And they communicate with the peripheral cortex, which is where pain is interpreted, where addiction has its feelings, and where uh, depression lives. Uh, okay, this is this is the important thing that a lot of people don't understand and take depression as not only a moral failing or else it's a family shame. It's not. It, it is uh, part of reality. Well, what is reality? Reality is everybody gets depression. Everybody across the board, including animals and other creatures that uh, are amongst us. Sometimes we don't recognize it. Sometimes it's well covered. Sometimes it's uh, part of a individual's uh, personality. I call it the personality of pain, the personality of addiction, the personality of depression. It's what it is. And to have depression is to be normal. Um, clinically, when depression interferes with activities of daily living, quality of life, or sort of sleep capacity, all those things I talk about, it leads to secondary symptoms like pain, dysphoria, people just not feeling right. Um, it's then something we've really got to look at, sometimes treat, sometimes aggressively. Because pain, addiction, and depression is intimately um, an evolving uh, exercise that can lead to significant outcomes, even harming yourself or others. Now, depression is what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. Depression um, can be broken down. Yeah, you're sometimes born with it. You can see it in infants or very young children. You just, you can see kind of the funk and sometimes they grow out of it. It's not, you know, it is what it is. And then there's the adolescent and teens. And the adolescent and teens, um, well, that tends to be more of a problem because with especially the influential teens with the primitive brain, the brain fully develops at 25 to 28 years, uh, sometimes not completely, sometimes indirectly related to other problems, the teenage brain um, can lead to a disaster. It's very sensitive. It can interfere with schools. We all know motivation, drug use, alcohol use, uh, loss of socialization, which we see across the board with true clinical depression. But with teens, they're so influenced negatively by social media where everything is perfect. Everybody has a perfect snapshot. Uh, 
that they unrealistically believe that their life isn't Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, or something like that. They're not successful. They're not successful as an entity, and they're not successful in life. And they can be bullied. Teenagers and others in that kind of age group sometimes don't have that filter, that discrimination that leads them to truly understand that what they're doing isn't necessarily wrong. It's part of the growing process, the aging process, the mellowing process as they move from teen adolescence into adulthood. Now, adult depression is a little different. Uh, Again, socialization uh, is a problem at any level of depression. You can have memory disturbances. You can have sleep disturbances, concentration, feel tired. It's going to affect at least 5% of the population across the board. And we don't just see it in America. We see it worldwide. So this is one of those things that we're born with neurobiologically. It can be biochemical. It can be traumatically related, you know, traumatic brain injuries, uh, PTSD. PTSD is very real. It's also related to what you're born with, the genetic predisposition (laughs) or your um, ability to beat up on yourself, sit on the internet, uh, substance abuse and that sort of thing. It affects personality. It can lead to shame, socialization issues. You can pull back from your family and other loved ones when you shouldn't. It's, it can be organic, of course, but it can also be treated. Um, if it's related to an illness, treat the underlying cause. Um, Alzheimer's, uh, anxiety, diabetes, exogenous obesity and Feelings of self-worth and loneliness. Um, And the quality of life uh, can be directly affected by uh, self-perception. It isn't. It isn't you. <laughs> Be very open with your health care provider. Um, if you have a lack of interest in stuff and you're finding yourself pulled back or you're not eating or you're not eating right or eating too much or something's not right there or you're just sleep is a mess or you're uh, thinking about substance abuse and all things that were enjoyable once are not really enjoyable – you know, sleeplessness is not a pill. It's interference with activities of daily living, quality of life, and it has to be diagnosed. So that's a sleep study, I would guess. Um, now, I think a depression that often gets overlooked is pre- and postnatal. There's an organic base for that because it happens so commonly. So depression's real. The brain is a living and a important organ. Now, let's go to one side here, and I'm not going to go into too much of this right now, but there is psychotic disease. Um, I don't think that uh, many people would deny that, uh, you know, they've seen somebody psychotic at at a certain time. Uh, you know, manic depression, well, mm, 
You know, that can lead to psychosis, uh, drug-induced, medically-induced, uh, you know, the biologically-induced. Uh, there can be all sorts of organic reasons. But the bottom line is we have to be aware on a day-to-day basis not only what type of depression we have is it related to panic, PTSD, uh, bipolar disease, you know, uh, d- depression can be lead uh, from uh, lead from uh, traumatic disease, and it can be pretty minor. It, it can be social and uh, other influences just around you. Okay, let's go into older adults and the elderly. I'm not going to go into the weeds too far on depression because it is deep and. Uh, it's one of those subjects that we have to talk about. You can't live in darkness, and you don't have to live in darkness. Now, Jung, uh, he goes way back, and so does Freud. You know, Freud had depression. How did he treat it? With cocaine. And he treated it heavily with cocaine. Jung, in Europe, people with alcoholism used to go um, to see Jung. But Jung wasn't a big fan of alcohol um, treatment, uh, narcotic treatment. Um, and some even uh, described their gambling problems, um, their problems with uh, seeking out obsessions. And Jung looked at it very differently than a lot of other folks do uh, contemporarily. Um, That's what's new and old is sometimes what's old and new. We have treatments. All right, let's get into uh, medications. There's uh, different types of medications that we can get into, and that's going to be a whole another discussion at another time. Uh, Drugs can be... um, Important. They can be pivotal, and they can be a cornerstone. The different classes of drugs, from the early uh, monoamine oxidase inhibitors to the tricyclic antidepressants, through some of these uh, unique combinations we have today, are beyond a a very straightforward conversation that we're going to have here on depression. This is a beginning discussion, and I've talked about depression in many different senses, but I think that the first step you have to take in any discussion of depression is letting folks know that everybody gets it uh, to some degree, to limited degree, or to a significant degree that requires treatment. Got to talk it over with the healthcare professional. Don't wait on it. That's really important. Sorry about that. Uh this is an organic podcast. So talk it over with a healthcare professional. That is so important. It's, uh, you know, uh, at the darkest side, like I said, you know, harm self or others. We have treatments out there. You know, I hear so much about SSRIs, uh, serotonin selective reuptake inhibitors, and SN, that's norepinephrine, SNRIs. I hear um, some of the new uh, hype about psychedelics like psilocybin and mushrooms. And I use ketamine. I've done a whole bunch of ketamine infusions. And it's very helpful. It's patient selection. Unfortunately, so many of the uh, medications are not 
as effective as we want. And mixed depressive disorder is called MDD, big surprise error, to uh, so many. Um, and it's, in reality, um, between, uh, I, I guess, 60, 70, 80 percent, depends on what you read, responsive to meds. So there are other agents and other things we need to do. We can't get away from talking about depression without talking about get up and get moving, socialize, get out, exercise. Uh, I'm telling you, we talked about it in the science section, BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. We see that elevated with ketamine. We probably see it with psychedelics. We know with uh, SSRIs, SNRIs, a combination of those, et cetera, um, we don't even really know how tricyclics work, but they help with pain and sleep. Um, and sleep is key, especially stage four. We're going to touch more on depression, situational depression, anxiety. We're going to touch more on medications. And uh, I have to do a whole section on medication. Uh, care must be taken to not influence uh, an individual's decisions when they're having discussions with their health care provider, go to your health care provider, listen to those folks, take your good history in, take in a good open mind, take in willingness to kind of do some things and listen to suggestions, willingness for change. You know, it's, it is hard to lose weight. It is hard to get active, to exercise. It is hard sometimes to socialize, especially when you're feeling in a funk. You don't feel like getting out. Say you just had a bad diagnosis for something or say you, you've got early uh, dementia or Alzheimer's or a loved one does. The best thing you can do is keep them moving. Now, it's a good start. I, I'm going to continue pain, addiction, and depression with other discussions on um, uh, depression later and add situational depression and anxiety because they're so important to talk about. Uh, but uh, we have to take it in small bites uh, and understand that, yes, um, it's hard to – you know, it's hard to come conclusions over a podcast, but it is so important for you to work with your health care provider um, and to be very open and open-minded. So, okay, informational channel, that's what we do here. Uh, it's not medical advice. Go to your health care provider, especially with this tough diagnosis. And we'll go from there and kind of kind of figure out what we need to do next. Um, so, go back and take a, a look at a few of those uh, older po- podcasts and default default mode network and other um, podcasts about ketamine and that sort of thing. We're gonna uh, ask you to go to uh, paininformation.com and we've got a health and history form there, and it's not a bad idea to be organized when you go see your health care provider it's you know it is i think a good form that i've used for a while i uh hope you find some value with it if uh you have any feedback we're always gosh we're loving the feedback it really helps me and for right now you know wish you the best um 
don't uh, hesitate uh, to make a move earlier, sooner than later. If you just don't feel right, helpless, hopeless, there's help for you out there. Other than that, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>